looking to accelerate your acting career, to stand out from the pack, join host Frank Fawcett as we ignite your acting career. Our show is 100% listener supported. So if you've gotten anything out of the show, please consider supporting Ignite Your Acting Career at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Ignite Your Acting Career. Or you can do a one-time donation at Cash App. Cash App is dollar sign Fawcett Media. Um, By doing this, this will keep us uh, bringing you the content that you love from Ignite Your Acting Career. Uh, We've got all types of levels uh, all the way from $5 monthly to $100 per month. You get general uh, support, ad-free content. You can get a one-on-one career console with me, live streams, added content. It's going to be really nice over there. So go ahead and subscribe on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Ignite Your Acting Career. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's up? This is Frank Fawcett, host of the Ignite Your Acting Career podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. Today, we've got a very special guest, uh, Dane Reese. Is that correct? That's it. Yeah. All right. Dane Reese. Dane is the creator and host of the podcast, You Booked It, the number one resource where you learn how to create a successful entertainment career from the entertainment professionals who are doing it right now for the past. 17 years, Dane has entertained audiences and entertain of entertainers uh, to adapt to the growing competition and virtualization of our industry so they can create long-term and successful entertainment careers. Dane, welcome. Welcome to Ignite Your Acting Career. Hey, thank you, Frank. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. You're in Australia right now, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm speaking to you from the future, man. This is good. Right, right, right. We had to set this up in a time warp where, where uh, I'm on one day and you're on another day because of the time Exactly zone. right. That's, that's awesome. You know, I love Back to the Future, so. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, great, great, Dane. So, Dane, um, like I say, this thing is kind of like inside the actor's studio. So I'd like mm. to start with a question. How did you get started? in your entertainment career? Yeah, for sure. So maybe a bit unique uh, because a lot of people tend to find it early in life, especially in the uh, singing acting uh, side of things, but not me. I was 17 and a half years old when I started performing actually, or even not performing, just kind of starting to learn how the heck to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Up until that point, I'm basically your classic glee slash high school musical story. I was a jock. I played football and baseball primarily, but then literally, yeah, over the course of only a few months, uh, I got injured out of both football and baseball. I got concussed out of football and I would have needed elbow surgery if I kept playing baseball. And then up until that point in my life, I had some kind of something always going on extracurricular, right? And then I had nothing. So I was super bored, had nothing to do. And one of my sister's friends was over one day, she was a dancer and she goes, Hey, we need a guy to lift some girls in this Christmas show. You want to do it? And literally that's how it started. And then that kind of snowballed. I went to class. I remember the first time I went in and they gave me my costume. They handed me a white ballet tights and a white dance belt. I, I'm like, what the heck is this dance belt thing? Uh, 
put it on <laughs> incorrectly, but we figured that out eventually. <laughs> but that's pretty much it. They just kicked it off that way, and things just kind of snowballed from there. Just knocked it off. All right. Nope. Freeze it a bit. All right. Service connectivity. You still there? Still here. Okay. All right. Pick it up from ballet uh, dance belt. Dance belt. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> right. So the first day I had my costumes, they just gave me ballet tights, a white dance belt. <laughs> I had no idea what I was looking at. This funny mm-hmm. jockstrap looking thing. Didn't put it on correctly, but figured that out eventually. And that just kind of snowballed everything. So on I went, that led into me wanting to do more. So I got involved with drama in high school and they were doing a musical and they said, hey, you should learn how to sing. So I said, all right, I guess I'll join the choir. And then turns out I could sing and I got accepted into different, some prestigious choirs, started getting involved with community theater. Then I started mascotting at the University of Montana. And then things just kind of kept going from there and there and there. Yeah, what city were you in originally? Where'd you grow Missoula. up? Missoula. Yeah, Missoula, Montana. So ah, you were in Montana. Place. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great, man. That's great. So um, yeah, that's a that's interesting. I mean, I have a similar story because I played football um yep. all through boys and girls club all the way up into mm-hmm. high school. And somewhere along the line, I decided I was like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to make it to the NFL. (laughs) And I keep keep getting injured. Ankles for me, playing basketball. And um, my mother said, you need to make a choice. What do you want to do? So we Mm -hmm. moved to Virginia and they had a theater program. So I did The Music Man. So, yes, fellow uh, musical theater and arms. But uh, yeah. actually, I, I didn't have to sing in mine. So. There you go. <laughs> I was Charlie Cowell, say, you know. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So then, okay, after moving along from Missoula, uh, yeah. I assume you, you found a passion in uh, acting in that high school. So what happened yeah. next? Yeah, so it's exactly right. So I found, I realized, oh, one, I'm really enjoying this. And then two... I'm kind of good at it. So I just kind of kept going with that, right? Got Like I said, I got involved in some community theater. When I went to university, my, my plan always through high school, everything was to go into medicine, actually. And then really? I got to university and I said, I'll just double major in this new voice thing because that's kind of fun. And and then wow, medicine and turns out you can't really do that because they're both really intense I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> majors. So I was like, I like, um, I said, you know, my heart, my passion, it's more towards this music thing, the arts thing. So I did that. Uh, so I became a vocal performance major first at the University of Montana or op- opera classic stuff. Uh, but yeah, I also got booked as the mascot of the university, which is really cool because uh, regularly I got to perform in front of like 22,000 plus people in the football games on a motorcycle and smoke. And that was awesome. Traveled around the Northwest. And, uh, I actually won the capital one national mascot of the year award. So I was voted the best collegiate mascot in the United States. Uh, and then mascotting and suit work is kind of like popped up randomly through my career. Uh, I've created a few other characters, but, uh, that happened. And then I thought, Oh, I want to, actually do this properly instead of just voice do the theater do the dancing because i was doing all that at the same time right uh but i wanted 
better training. So then I auditioned for a bunch of schools and I got accepted into the Boston Conservatory. And then off to the Boston Conservatory, I went and did three more years there, graduated there, moved to New York, uh, started working at shows, booked a contract where I met my wife. And then we've just been together, been all over the world. And then the last seven and a half years, we were in Vegas and performing. I performed in nine-ish shows on the Strip and lots of other stuff outside of there. Most of them are all closed at this point because that's the way Vegas works. Um, Gosh, But it was like a traditional musical? uh, Lots of production shows and some musicals. So uh, I did a show called, the first show I ever did was a show called Dancing Queen. It was like an ABBA kind of disco review. Look, right. it wasn't winning any Tony awards, right? But it was super entertaining and, and it fit the bill for exactly what it's trying to serve. Very entertaining. Right. People were up on their feet, dancing at the end, go out, have a good time. Uh, right. I performed in Jubilee, which was the longest running showgirl show in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that closed a handful of years ago. My wife and I got wow. to do that show together, actually. So that was really cool. Um, and then there was a show called Pin Up uh, at the Stratosphere, which was amazing. It was Physically, the most difficult show I've ever done in my entire life it was me and really? five girls. Uh, and then the one of the last shows I was in was Baz, uh, produced Baz originally produced by yeah by For the Record in L.A. But then they moved it to Las Vegas, and then the Palazzo and Venetian Palazzo purchased the purchased the show, and really? it was an amazing you know full equity production, amazing. Yeah. It told the story of you know Baz Luhrmann. He told the the Great Gatsby, Romeo and Juliet, and um, the Moulin Rouge love oh, stories. Right. All three all of right. them in the same world, but it was like this cool like 1920s steampunk world with top hats and skinny jeans and tails, and it was it was a cool show. It was way cool. Yeah, that's the thing. They don't spare any expense in Vegas, too, because they've got the money to no, spend. Man. <laughs> you guys that is the cool thing about production. Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Man. That's great. That's great. So you did that for how many years? Like about yeah, we were in Vegas years? about seven and a half years, and half then, years. yeah, just did loads of different shows, and then that was also a hub, right, to Vegas is brilliant, I think, in that sense that it's easy to get in and out of, and it's right. loads of direct flights everywhere, so it's a great I mean, place to... It's a three-hour yeah. drive from L.A., yeah. You're right there. Exactly. You can get anywhere there, so, I mean, you can get direct flights to London from there. You know, it's really good, so yeah. um, we're able to do a lot of gigs, you know, outside of there. I did some, like, some shows in... Uh, Germany and Italy. I sang with the Ottawa Philharmonic and like all sorts of stuff. So uh, it's a great, it's a great hub. No, that's great. That's great. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. And then, so from there you transition into podcast host. Yeah, exactly. Well, COVID hit, right? So the last last year or so of our lives you're a different Um, podcast host i i I feel like a slacker around you 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 made about (laughs) 200 episodes (laughs) in the time i've made seven so you know but my audience is used to this uh frequency this clip but uh, yeah yeah we're getting better but yeah so you, you came out the gate smoking yeah right yeah i hit it hard i was doing seven days a week um for about six or seven months and then uh in that time uh, my wife and I, we had moved back down or moved down to Australia. My wife's Australian. So okay. moved down here. It was always kind of in the cards to, that we wanted to come down here. We've got a little four-year-old girl and yeah. we wanted to go to school and be here about that time when she's going to school and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. But 
COVID certainly sped up the timeline by about a couple of years. So yeah. still super grateful to be here and it is what it is. It's just, you know, the stars align and you, you got to make the decision. So did that. Uh, but yeah, then the, the pace of my, of my output started slowing down, you know, getting close to the end of 2020, just yeah. work started coming back um, and things like that. So you don't have as much time to do that. Plus it started developing into more of a community and a sort of expanding on what the podcast is. Uh, right. So those things of course also take energy and they take time. And uh, sure. that's what I did. I started dividing up my time amongst the greater you booked it uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and did you, did it start off as a podcast? Cause I know a lot of podcasters kind of backdoored from Instagram live, just like having conversations and they were like, why don't I just make a podcast out of this? Right. Like, no, no. I just went straight to the podcast thing. I like the idea okay. of, of, of podcasts um, versus like IG live or something like that. IG live is cool, but I am a big proponent of, owning my content and controlling my content. So oh, yeah. uh, I, I love social point. media and I like to leverage it and it's good, mm -hmm. but I don't want to put all my eggs into a basket of someone else who writes the rules. <laughs> yeah. How about you explain that to our, our audience? Cause this is kind of what we talk about. This is where we get nitty and gritty. The content ownership that you mm. give up posting on Instagram, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, you name it. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, social media, it's all they're all private companies, right? So they can they can do whatever they want. The the catch, of course, is that that is where all the eyeballs are. You know, that's mm -hmm. where everyone is hanging out. So you gotta find out what your niche is. And when especially when I first started the podcast, I I hit it hard. I hit all the platforms, posting all over the place. And then I think it's also important on, on this regard as far as where to post, that you yeah. figure out okay, where, where is your audience? Who are the people? So, you know, I'm posting all over the place, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, everything. Right. And you kind of see what, what gets bites and what gets a little bit of attention. And it became very clear. My podcast on LinkedIn was like, man, <laughs> that's not, oh. it's not the audience. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's cool. So hey, like, LinkedIn oh, great, is so. an underutilized source. I, oh, I think, oh, no, if you're going to do, if you're going to do some business stuff, I've done loads of things on LinkedIn. There are, there's definitely a, brilliant place for LinkedIn. But as far as like yeah. a listenership and things like that, it wasn't really where my audience was living. It was more on Instagram and things like this and uh, trying to transition more into the TikTok world and things like this. But it's oh. it's trying to figure out one, where your audience really exists uh, mm -hmm. in the social media world. But yeah, you have to utilize them. But I think it's always so important to have other means of people to reach out to you, things that you own and you control. Like my podcast, I own the hosting of it. It's my, the content's mine. Um, and I can determine where it gets distributed to in a way the podcasts work, where they just do RSS feeds versus you uploading right. the actual content. Uh, yeah. It's, it's good. It's makes you have control. That's also why I have websites because even though, you know, it's less likely that someone's going to just organically search my website. It's still a hub that people can find and I can control exactly how that looks. It's ad free and it can, I can control the experience so I can ensure that I'm portraying and giving what I want to be perceived uh, versus a, a social media platform just completely 
changing the rules on you. I mean, we've seen a handful of years ago, it was Facebook pages, business pages, I should say, uh, which you need to have if you want any kind of serious analytics on your content, right? So yeah. they completely, uh, Facebook completely took away the ability to have really any organic reach on them. They have almost none now, unless you're going to oh, pay yeah. them. You got to pay they ads if you want people to. the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, so you don't get organic. And same thing with Instagram. Instagram, it's very much more of a pay-to-play uh, platform. Like look at, literally, if you look at anybody that has for the most part, except for some random viral people, uh, anyone that's got like 30, 50, 100,000, 200,000 followers, they got those years ago. Yes. And their, gro- and their growth on their accounts has been very, very slow, almost stagnant. You, because you hear that, actors? Don't get upset that you don't have that huge following that you don't. Because it's, it's impossible. It's impossible need. to get. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. impossible to get what used to happen unless. You you know there's I interviewed a guy named uh, Michael Jackson. Got some Barry. ways, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are ways. There are ways you can do it, but even those they're more difficult now. And you know, and uh, like a Michael Judson Barry, I don't know if you know who he is. He does a whole parody of Schitt's Creek of uh, Moyer Rose. It's very funny, really? but <laughs> he's hilarious. But he's Creek is a parody. It's a it's a, yeah. it's a parody itself. <laughs> yeah, but he's exploded on the internet, right, or and on social media. So. But he's an outlier, you know. He's had an account that's grown exponentially, but most people just aren't that. And TikTok right now, people are exploding. But what you have to realize is that when a uh, a social media platform comes out and it's new to the scene, like TikTok, they open up the floodgates of organic reach because they need oh, people yeah. to use the platform. They also know that it's going to give everyone this giant dopamine kick to see followers just racking up. I 100% guarantee the speed at which people can get followers on TikTok will be begin slowing down substantially. And if you're going to want them, you're going to have to pay for them. Yeah. It's just, the, that's how it's the game, that's how the platforms work. It's already started. I, I, I mess around with all the social media because yeah. one of my other uh, hobbies is digital marketing. So yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've seen the trends and heading in that direction, but as an actor, how important do you find that social presence is impacting your career because I mean a lot of actors ask me this a lot of times. Mm. What 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 do I need to do to get in front of the right casting directors, the right agents? Do I need to have this social media thing, or is it just a a, a shiny bauble that that can help? Yeah, I think? think I think having social a virtual presence in all senses of the word I mean you got to have your email sorted out, have a nice email signature. You got to be able to have good copy. You've got to have a website, you've got to have reels, you've got to have uh, photos, you got to have social media, you got to have it all. Your virtual presence needs to be strong because it is some, it is your running resume, right? Right. They're, casting directors are less interested in looking at simply a headshot and resume. It's good to have, right? Uh, and you need it, obviously, it's a standard, uh, but that's really the bare minimum. But the, right. most people are doing now is they go, cool, nice submission, and they go check out your. Instagram or whatever virtual platform they get because they want to see what you look like right now, what you do. And that is really important. Plus, they want to see that you do have a following and that you do have some kind of engagement as well on there because that always also works out for them financially because you're free marketing. Yeah, sort of. (laughs) It sort of (laughs) works like that. 
I mean, I think sometimes now, like, even the people with the big followings can't necessarily steer their whole audience in the right direction. It's not as easy as it once was. But but that's funny because um, I think about Clubhouse was the first time Mm. I realized that Instagram as an actor, I, I mean, I always knew it was a tool, but my Instagram in particular was not for me. Because everybody right. who's on Clubhouse, once you speak, immediately the first thing you do is you go look at their Instagram and you see, oh, wow, this person's really kind of, uh, he's got some social proof. He's got some type right. of recognition. He's got some type of authority in the space. And you start to listen a little deeper when you hear that person as opposed to, you know, you know people who are on TV or published authors or whatever. But yeah. I just noticed that, and I was like, you know what? I should change the game up a little bit. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's 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 definitely necessary. Like, and over this past year, uh, we all know that the virtualization of our industry has kind of gone crazy, right? Like, we've had Zoom for years, or Skype, or what? I mean, really, Zoom is a standard now, but we've had all these platforms for so long, but. Mm-hmm. We never really use them in a professional sense the way we're using them now, but we've realized that we can and people are and they can do things. They can be more efficient with their casting. You can see more people. Now, I know the film, like the film world, uh, indie film world, especially with Actors Access and things like that. They've been doing the virtual submission thing for ages. Yeah, I was living in Atlanta. We did it for from 2006 on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like that's a that's been around for ages, but the live performance world hasn't really been all that hit with the virtualization thing yet, but it's, it's happening. It's here. It's here. It's here. It's here. I think I got one on Monday. I think all of, yeah, there we go. I think all of Hamilton here in Australia was put together virtually. I mean, they eventually saw people in person, right? But the, right. all those first initial levels of, of screening and casting and narrowing things down of who, they really wanted to see live, that all happened virtually. Yep. You know what I mean? So, and that's like what the most successful musical in the world or ever, right? Uh, so it's like Yeah. There there may or may thing. not be a there may or may not be a tape of me uh auditioning for yeah. an open call of Ham <laughs> Hamilton. Uh maybe this is a call out to somebody that can find that tape because I definitely Yeah, there we go. <laughs> No, but it's it's a it's a thing. You got to be on on this world, and there are you know I think there's still some union issues with like if you're an audition, you know you have to have mm-hmm. like an actual physical accompanist in there for union shows and things like this. And I think that my opinion is that the benefit you get from the virtual virtual audition, virtual virtual screening, the unions are going to rewrite the policies, the rules to make it more accessible to you. So that means you have to, so the first interaction you're gonna have with casting directors, producers, anybody, it's going to be a virtual introduction. Right. And then you're gonna get the opportunity to be seen in person. So I think Gavin, your virtual stuff in order is paramount. Yeah, man, it's it's all coming together. It's all coming together very nicely, mm. man. But. All right, let's let's jump out of the virtual world and yeah. tell me about traditionally. How did you uh, did you train to become an actor, or were you just a natural at this? Because you said you were, you know, a singer. And yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think physicality and I guess coordination wise, 
I think that a lot of that came very naturally just because I had a very physical and sports background. And that I think served me a lot, especially when I started dancing a lot. And I really started dancing was the primary thing that I was doing at first. And then, then singing and then, uh, and then acting got built into all of that. Cause I started doing musical theater and then ballet too. Ballet. That's, yeah, that's yeah, good. yeah. So I started there. Well, techn- really, I started with hip hop and break dancing because it was Montana oh. and dancing was not cool. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I started like, there. Let me, let me do this backspin real quick. <laughs> I was like, let me just dip my toes into this dance baby world. Steps, so we did that. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't take me long. I, I mean, I was doing it. And then we, I got, you know, this is fun. And I saw the people in uh, like the jazz and the ballet class. I'm like, you know what? I like that. I like the structure of technique. I like I like technique and the idea of doing things. So I was like, oh, that looks good. Let me learn how to do that and actually become good and be proper. I think I saw this movie. It was called Save the Last Dance. It was, yeah, uh, there we it go. Was Save the Last Dance or, or what was the one with Channing Tatum? <laughs> he, was like, he was like, you know what? This ain't so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was good. You know what I mean? And I, and I, I, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, But yeah, I started doing that and I really just trained as much as I could. I mean, I was probably dancing from like as soon as school got out. So I was probably at the studio by three forty-five, four o'clock at the latest. And then I'd dance until like nine thirty, ten at night. Like wow. five days a week for that's it. Like every single day. So I trained hard. You know what I mean? I you know, I had a lot of learning to do. I started late and uh, no. did that and then started doing voice lessons and got into that. And then like I said, I went to Boston Conservatory because I wanted to do more. I wanted to put it all together. And then there right. I mean, geez, if you were if you were casting a show at any particular time, uh, yeah. in that like it was like every day was like a fourteen or sixteen hour day of like singing, acting, dancing. Right. All you did, did you have like? Did they have a musical theater track like at Boston? Yeah, or yeah. They had one at New NYU, like where I was. Where it's yeah, the music theater, um, music and dance. So uh-huh. yeah, and I was in the music theater program, so you kind of do do a bit of all of it, right? And then yeah. of course, and then they would have main stage productions or black box productions or student productions, things like this that yeah. you could audition for and be a part of. And uh, Which so adds another that, eight hours to your day. <laughs> exactly right. So you were, I was exhausted, you know what I mean? But that's what I needed to do. And when I showed up there, I was like, whoo, I got some catching up to do. I came from Montana. Yeah. I was getting good, but then I went to school. I'm like, oh, wait, you've all, like going to school with people that have already been on national tours, you yeah. know, people that have been on Broadway. And you're like, holy crap. Like, okay. Let's get my let's get it together and uh, and start learning. You know what I mean. But it was great because it pushed me and it made me much better, much faster. Yeah, and I mean, I always give props to the musical theater actors and like you, you having a dance background and singing, like that gives you a leg up. But you're right; some of them are so good, so quick. I mean, Mm. like like they're coming in as kids and already have that that shine on them you know what i mean like yeah and they've already worked professionally you know what i mean professionally yeah i mean professionally in the sense of at like at like a broadway caliber so oh yeah oh yeah no the alfonso ribeiro's of the world you wonder why he was so good at carlton banks because it was a walk in the park compared to the tap dance kid and everything he did yeah exactly right 1985 and earlier you know like he's been doing it for that long think about that he's probably maybe 50 He's yeah. been doing it for 40 at least. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. That's great. That's great. So who are your 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 theater legends? Who are who are your um you know, because you you're doing more 
straight plays now more than uh, musicals, right? Or are you still kind of? Oh, I do. Up? Look, my whole career, I've I'm like the ultimate of saying yes. So I've my career has been everything. Like what? So when I graduated from uh, Boston Conservatory, that's a very Broadway focused school, which is totally cool, right? But it was like Broadway, Broadway, Broadway. So I was like, of course, well, of course I know Broadway is, of course I want to be on Broadway. But right. what I realized is that being on Broadway was never actually my end goal. You know what right. I mean? It was like, yeah, I would love to work in that market, but that's not my driving force to be doing what I'm doing. I realized that my what I really wanted was simply to perform and be an entertainer for a living. I didn't, I wasn't really keen to sacrifice years of my life, not performing, trying to perform in a specific market, like mm -hmm. in Broadway, for instance, like I don't want to be hitting the audition circuit for a decade before I book a Broadway gig, yeah. you know, and in the meantime, just bartending or something. So yeah. what I want to do is work as a professional, like while my body's young and can do everything, let's right. perform, let's work. So, and I found that that was really where that was like the driving force and the passion through my career. And that also opened things up. And because that was my mindset, different things would come up. I'd be like music theater. Yeah. Let's do that gig. Crazy production gig. Cool. Let's go sing with a symphony. Let's go do that. Oh, yeah. there's this brand new mascot gig where I get to like be in like a $300,000 costume. Let's do that. Like, so Ooh, $300,000. Yeah, yeah, it was, I was like literally inside of a Lamborghini. It felt like it was. Oh my god! <laughs> it was a big rock. It was for Rock and Rio. It was for like this giant uh, music festival out of um, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And Ooh, but wow. you know, but all those things, like opportunities would arise. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds cool because it it just pushed me in a different way. Just used my skill set in a in a different way, and that I, I, for me, that's created a more fulfilling career for myself. And I've been able to work consistently in the industry. Yeah. And like that, that was always my goal for other people. That's not their goal. And, no, but I think it's I really important it. that people figure that out. What it is yeah. that you really want. Hey, that's funny. You bring that up. I've got a friend who just recently posted on Facebook. Shout out to Um He was on the same track you were at NYU mm. doing the musical theater, very talented, could sing, could dance, could act. And like was pushing it right after school, going for the for the uh, for the Broadway. He said that yep. too. He had Broadway in his sights. And just for whatever reason, he was just going, 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 getting close, yep. getting down to the last two, and then he just wasn't getting it. So something yep. told him to you know follow some other dreams. Came out to Los Angeles where I did a play with him like a couple years ago, and uh, just here recently. He's been having a lot of success on TV, a lot of success mm -hmm. in commercials. Just kind of put that dream to the side for a second. And he just got his first Broadway show uh, last month. And it was oh, amazing. I think he's in New York now, actually. So, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, yeah so that's cool. That's how it goes. You just you, you we have to navigate this career in a way that we can keep ourselves forward, make at least failing forward. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm all I'm all about hard work and making things happen. And if it doesn't happen, try and try again. But I yeah. also am a proponent of if doors open and opportunities arise, take them. You know, and right. uh, I don't know. Then 
ideally you get kind of into a flow of of a career and you know and when i think back on my career it really has been like this it doesn't feel like that necessarily in the moment but yeah. it's flown from one thing to the next and i've been very fortunate and grateful that i've been able to have you know consistent work for that long and it's but very you know, cool yeah i think i think this is this is kind of your story too in a way broadway will come knocking you know what i'm saying if if you're if you're still around for it there's an opportunity for you. You might yeah. come whenever. It might come in your 50s. might come in your 40s. It might come in your 30s. But, you know, like you're prepared. You've got that that rock solid foundation, which is what exactly I Exactly right. It's, it's not that I'm, yeah, I'm not 100% pursuing that. I'm pursuing opportunity and pursuing projects that like are exciting to me. And, uh, right. and if that's what happens, that's what happens. But I'm not, I'm not overly forcing anything i'm not trying to force right. and make something happen i'm just trying to have an artistic life and make yeah. my lifestyle in the entertainment industry that's it absolutely man well you're definitely doing that definitely doing that hey dane it's been great man uh you got any other comments you know where where can everybody find you and find your podcast yeah, for sure. If you want to come check out anything with me, you can go to danereese.com or just go to Instagram. It's the Dane Reese at the Dane Reese. Okay. And from there, you can link literally to everything. There's a link in my bio and there you go. <laughs> perfect. Perfect, man. Hey, I'm going to have to come check you guys out at You Booked It Podcast. I'd like to do maybe an episode or something sometime. Yeah, yeah man. Let's cool. do it. That'd be cool. All right, Dane. Dane Reese, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. We finally got it done. And uh, this is Frank Fawcett, host of the Ignite Your Acting Career podcast. You can follow us online at Ignite Acting, Ignite Your Acting Career on Instagram, uh, anywhere you can find podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, SoundCloud. No, we're not on SoundCloud anymore. But, uh, <laughs> you know, just do a Google search, Ignite Your Acting Career, Frank Fawcett. I'll pop up. And uh, once again, we're also on YouTube on my channel, Frank Fawcett. So if you want to see the video version of this with Dane in his lovely studio, we didn't even talk about that, man. Uh, you can check us out in all our splendor. <laughs> okay. So thank you for joining us. We'll see ya. See ya. Thanks, Frank.